Welcome to another Chinchilla Squeaks. And this time I actually have two people from a company who I'm quite excited to speak with. I have been wanting to speak with for some time. I almost have this feeling of, I feel like I might have actually spoken to someone from HashiCorp before, but I'm not even completely sure. Not sure. It might have been some time ago as well, something like vagrant related or something. So it was possibly a little while ago. But today I have Chang and Raymond. And uh, I know you both deal with two different products or projects. So let's maybe just start with quick introductions of what project you work with um, on HashiCorp, in ha- at, at HashiCorp. <laughs> awesome. And thank you, Chris, for having me here. Uh, this is Chang, I'm Chang Li, product marketing for one of the HashiCorp product called Nomad. Okay. And Raymond, who is having some video issues, but we can hear him. So go ahead, Raymond. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, good morning or good afternoon, everyone, or good evening. Uh, my name is Raymond Austin. Um, uh, I'm product marketing for Console, one of uh, several HashiCorp tools. Okay. And um, let's maybe just very quickly start with a little overview of, of HashiCorp as a whole. And it's a company that in the tech space has been around for a little while, which is probably isn't actually that long, but in the, in the tech space is reasonably long period of time. So where did the company start and kind of what was the what are the aims of the company? And I think this feeds nicely into the 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 products we're here to talk about. Sure. So our company um, is a cloud infrastructure automation, providing cloud automation infrastructure tools. I think the goal, well, the company was founded in 2000, back in 2012. Um, the goal for our company is really helping organizations, regardless of the scale, to move their the, their workload into a multi-cloud environment in a consistent way. Mm-hmm. And do that through all the critical layer in the infrastructure, including Terraform for provisioning, Vault for dynamic secret or zero trust security, console for service networking, and Nomad for orchestration. Okay. And um, so console and Nomad, uh, how how old are they? I, I think I, my journey with HashiCorp started with Vagrant, which back in the day, shall we say, like in the days of LAMP stacks and MAMP stacks and WAMP stacks and all those sorts of things was a groundbreaking tool to enable people to like have Linux machines on their local desktop. And Vagrant is probably a little less used these days, but I think that's where my journey began. And console, I've definitely come across uh, more with recently as well. Um, so how, what's, the, what's the age of those two projects? And I guess why? Why create them? Yeah, maybe I'll start on that one. So um, for Console, Console has been around since 2014. It's one of our oldest uh, uh, tools. It's one of the most heavily downloaded tools out there as part of the HashiCorp suite. Um, Initially, it was used as more of a KV store uh, product for vaults as well as more of a service discovery uh, tool um, as customers make their their journey to uh, cloud-native environments. Um, some way of sort of tracking the the different uh, locations of different services and being able to uh, determine the health of those services. So that was a, a key use case uh, for console for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over time, uh, we added new capabilities to console to make it a full-fledged service mesh. Uh, that was about a year and a half ago. And, uh, and so, yeah, a lot of uh, practitioners and customers use console for uh, several you know, major use cases. One, service discovery. Uh, two service mesh, and then three they use it for. And this is something we released uh, 
a couple months ago, uh, Console Terraform Sync, uh, which is a, uh, a binary to, uh, to do uh, networking infrastructure updates. Uh, so think of Console CTS as a sort of a day two way to automate your networking uh, devices. You use Terraform you know, infrastructure's code, right, to provision your networking devices. And now you can use console CTS to then automate uh, sort of the day two uh, activities with, uh, with the various networking devices. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Nomad is a new one to me. Um, and I, I sort of read the, the web page and I'm instantly thinking, how does this compare to Kubernetes, I guess? <laughs> so, so, yeah, what is Nomad? And, yeah, why create a quote-unquote competitor, I don't know, challenger to the large elephant in the room. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. I'm happy you asked that question. Uh, so I think Nomad is the relatively youngest product, yeah. the core products that HashiCorp offers. Um, I think it was born in 2014, probably just a little bit late after Kubernetes was born or created. Okay. Um, so the main initial goal for Nomad um, is, is really about addressing a different persona is about developer, uh, developer community, help them to accelerate their velocity, increase their release frequency, just kind of ease the, the, the application delivery workflow for them. And Orchestrator is really kind of the tool in the middle to decouple the tool workflow between developers and operators. Let operators just focus on the fleet management, the infrastructure capacity, um, and also allow developers to own application lifecycle by themselves mm -hmm. and gave them autonomy, allow them to directly kind of consume Orchestrator in a reliable and responsible way. Um, so this is kind of the initial goal for, for, for Nomad. I think there's a lot of different or between Nomad and Kubernetes. I would yeah. say there are probably two unique strengths that Nomad has that attract people to adopting or using Nomad. The first is just the operational simplicity. Nomad is a single binary, as all the kind of most of the HashiCorp products. It's only around like 50 megabytes. The last time I checked, um, it can be installed either as a server or as a client. So it's really kind of lightweight layer, and also the HashiCorp product has this kind of Unix philosophy, meaning uh, when you design an orchestrator, it should only focus on scheduling and orchestration. So oh. Nomad only do that. <laughs> Instead of you know, okay. compared to Kubernetes, yeah. it's like you can do everything with Kubernetes. Yeah. So <laughs> that's why customers choose, especially for you know small, medium-sized um, team or organizations, or doesn't have a fully budget or like a fully staffed a dedicated team to manage their orchestrator platform on a daily basis, they choose Nomad as a much simpler alternative to Kubernetes. But the, another, I, I would say the second point for Nomad or the strengths is Nomad's now just focused on containers. Yeah. So it also support like legacy applications like Windows, uh, Java application, or okay. even single standalone application binary. Yeah. It vagrant, has this vagrant virtual machines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be. So because it has this flexible task driver, which expand the workload, you know, not only just containers, but beyond containers, a lot of like applications, it allows like a lot of brownfield um, projects or or or, applic or organization has legacy applications to be able to containerize at, at their own place and being being able to bring all of this modern orchestration benefits or capabilities to their legacy applications without the need to rewrite all of them. So that's kind of a unique advantage that helping organizations have a smooth or faster migration journey. 
Okay. And I feel I kind of, because we have two, two topics at once here, I kind of, I'm going to try and maintain the same pace with each one. So I'm guessing then that uh, an obvious console comparison is, if I'm correct, things like etcd. Is that a common comparison to console, or have I? Because I was yeah, thinking that, console is also a service discovery as well, isn't it? I think that, that, that's right. Yeah. So so initially it would be comparable to a number of you know more service discovery types of tools out there. Uh, over time, as as we uh, added new features to make it a, a viable uh, service mesh. We've been often compared to other uh, more cloud-native uh, service meshes out there like Istio or, okay. or Linkerd. Yeah. Of course, our, our value proposition is to be able to, as, as Chung talked about, you know, other types of, uh, of uh, runtime platforms and environments. It's, it's not just relegated to cloud-native environments, right? So whether or not you're using it for on-prem or even bare-metal server environments, right? Or across multiple cloud environments. If you think about... The journey from on-prem to cloud, it's, it's very, it differs, right, for each organization. And so we provide a way for, you know, no matter what types of, type of runtime platform you're using, um, we provide a way for, for users to, you know, stitch together their applications across these uh, environments. So, it's, I mean, it's interesting because a lot of people are probably, I would say these days, I would guess the most common open source tool from HashiCorp is uses probably Terraform. I think that's yes. the one I hear the most, um, which is, so that's a very broad open ecosystem type tool. But in some ways, especially with Nomad, it kind of almost feels like you're creating your own like little alternative world over here. Um, and I suppose the first question would be, how will you learn from the, not the mistakes, but the, the, the lack of success of uh, things like Docker Swarm and Apache Mesos that just... They're still there, but they're not as successful as Kubernetes and also kind of maintain, I guess, interoperability with the wider ecosystem without, you know, shooting yourself in the foot in terms of potential customers and things like that. Yeah. How are you going to walk that that line? That's, that's a that's a great question. Um, so I, to answer your first question, it's like what we learned from the, the previous incumbents, like 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 Mesos or Docker Swarm, um, I think when we are in in the orchestration market, we have to say this is not like one tool fits all. And I think the majority, the customers and the market both matured rapidly in the past one or two years. I think people already a lot of evaluation of their day zero day one experience gained through this you know adopt orchestration adoption or container adoption journey. I think people realize um, this is now like Kubernetes can't self address all the use cases they have, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the the lesson we learned is the reason Nomad exists or people are choosing organically adopting Nomad is because Nomad is different from Kubernetes. We address the white spaces or some underserved area that Kubernetes couldn't address. Yeah. For example, on-prem deployment. Okay, yeah. Still, right. vanilla Kubernetes is, is a known challenge, right? It's a hit or miss. Or edge deployment where people prefer or has to have a lightweight or small yeah. footprint. And there's no alternatives to Kubernetes to achieve that. So, yeah. 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 And, and also, like, for example, if organizations, they want to have a mixed type of applications and really want to have one single unified, you know, orchestration or deployment workflow where Nomad support both, you know, existing and new applications. Um, and also a lot of organizations, they just want to get their containers up and running um, for, you know, they, they only, they focus on their mature 
production um, workload or customer facing workloads has less dependency on the ecosystem where they really appreciate or value the core kind of scheduling and orchestration capability that Nomad provide has less dependency on the other, you know, third party tools. Then Nomad is a perfect fit, right? So they can, they don't worry about the whole ecosystem. They can just focus on what Nomad really good, which is scheduling. And that naturally ties to the second kind of question, part of your question is that the ecosystem, right? Does this make like Terraform become the standard of the provisioning layer and how, what about how we deal with, with um, ecosystem? So I think the first is to acknowledge that we, we'll never be able to catch up with, keep pace with Kubernetes. And I think a lot of users or organization choose Kubernetes is because it's thriving ecosystem, right? For example, <laughs> if they want to do big data, serverless yeah. or AI, they can easily consume third party, you know, open platform directly on top of Kubernetes and we'll, be, we'll never be able to catch up with this. So our approach to ecosystem is we will pick working with like leading vendors in the most critical ecosystem component, right? Like monitoring, like CI, CD, we work with uh, Circle CI or GitLab. So we choose leading one or two leading vendor, vendors in the, in the critical ecosystem component to have a, to provide a prescriptive approach or path to ecosystem instead of, you know, being able to cover the whole ocean, which is impossible for us. Yep. A nice analogy with the ocean because that's the whole Kubernetes Docker world, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so one thing that HashiCorp has usually done quite well, I think, as far as I know, as far as I can tell, is this kind of difference between what you offer for free versus what you offer for paid. Uh, and console is definitely open source as well. Nomad, I'm a, I can't entirely tell if there's also an open source version or not, but we'll come to that. Um, so yeah, how... What, what, what are the two uh, projects offering in the different flavors? Let's start with, with console, I guess, is that's the one I know is definitely open source and then switch to Nomad. Like, what are the different offerings you have on the, the open source versus pro, uh, commercial? Yeah, and I think I would describe there's the open source version, which uh, we have many practitioners that uh, enjoy OSS. We have lots of uh, we have a huge, you know, robust set of features uh, for, for service mesh and service discovery for OSS users. We actually have two types of commercial offerings. We have a, what we call self-managed offering, which is, mm -hmm. you know, can be run on any any customer environment. Um, but then um, we also released uh, we, G, we went GA a, a few months ago around our uh, HashiCorp cloud platform, HCP, which is a managed service offering um, that takes away a lot of the burden, you know, for operators in terms of how do I, how do I manage all the infrastructure? How do I stand up the infrastructure? How do I do things like, you know, backups and upgrades and things like that? All of that is handled uh, by an, a dedicated SRE team here at HashiCorp and, and provide, you know, we provide that uh, as a service. Um, so those are the two commercial offerings, but in terms of the, you know, the enterprise types of capabilities, yeah, we have, you know, a number of customers that um, let's say you're a large customer and you want, you have many different teams, right? So the way that this adoption journey kind of works is you start off with a, a handful of practitioners, they're free to use our OSS tools, um, everything works great, but then you have a, a, a bigger team, you may have multiple teams. In fact, you may have a central IT group that's providing a shared service across many, many different types of teams. Um, so you need you know, certain features and capabilities around compliance and governance 
um, even around you know performance and scalability and, and reliability as you start to deploy console across many different environments, right? So that's where the enterprise offering uh, provides value is for those environments where you have many teams and you have certain enterprise requirements um, around you know uh, scalability and uh, resiliency of, of the different applications, th- things like that, uh, where they would use the enterprise offering. Okay. And so with Nomad, is does Nomad have a, an open source offering or is it just the enterprise offering? Nomad also have open okay. source uh, offering. And also oh, yeah. this now is I see the apply for. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all HashiCorp products have yeah. open source offering. Now every product has the um, enterprise offering. Yeah. It's the yeah. other way around. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. And so I'm guessing that the the main of main benefits there would be uh, self, well, not self-hosted. Uh, you host, you manage, um, multi-cloud, these kind of things. So, um, Nomad currently doesn't have a cloud offering. That means it still has to be like customer self-hosted or okay. self-managed platform. So, our enterprise like offering focuses on two part. One is about most once organization pass their day zero, day one. And when they're really focusing on day two, right, um, scaling the, making more, drive more efficiency and scale their deployment, we offer the capability to support advanced day two operations. For example, dynamic application sizing, which is how is to help organizations optimize their application resource consumption to its most efficient level based on their own strategy. I think this is going to be the the resource kind of over-provisioning for applications is a hidden cost that brought by orchestrator. I think it's only get worse as more organizations adopt this self-serve approach to allow developers, you know, define the resource consumption by themselves. It tends to, you know, lead to over-provisioning. I think that's an example where we talk about how day two capabilities drive higher efficiency, reduce costs. And another side is just just like Ray described, when you when organizations expand the Nomad footprint, supporting multiple teams or multiple organized small groups inside, they want to have more control, compliance, you know, mm-hmm. more more governance around them. We provide governance and policy type of features to help them have better control either in access or in resource. Okay. Now I actually received a comment and a question. <laughs> One is uh, agreeing with you. Yes, on-premise Kubernetes is a horror. One is a question, but unfortunately, it's it's, a, it's mostly a terraform question. So, <laughs> so I don't know if this is really something. I think we could we could uh, broaden the question. Uh, so the question was: Is there a benefit of using Terraform with an on-prem managed cluster? As far as I've seen, it's only really worth it if you're in the AWS or any cloud. I mean, maybe we can abstract that question to console and Nomad. Um, and maybe the question could be, you know, with, with, with console and with Nomad, do you lose or gain features sort of on-premise versus cloud offerings? And obviously I realize that on-premise can mean many different things, which is probably the <laughs> one of the bigger problems. But yeah, are there any features that you obviously gain or lose in those sort of installation options how about we start with uh, raymond and console yeah so for console i mean the same you know same issue exists whether or not you're you're on prem or in the in the aws or any any cloud which is i have some applications um i've spun it up either maybe uh across any number of virtual machines which can be on prem 
I need to I need to figure out a way to stitch those applications together in, in a way that doesn't involve you know uh, new code entries and you know for developers you want to be able to make sure that there's some sort of abstraction layer that prevents uh, all of this stuff from being written in, in code in, in the application and so um, whether or not it's on in the cloud or on prem it's the same types of uh, you know network service networking features that are necessary to be able to do it reliably, you know, in, at scale, things like that. So yeah, I, I, I would say it's the same benefit from a console perspective. Yeah. And with Nomad, I guess you're probably the more relevant to this question because you're probably orchestrating these different environments together. Yeah, I think Nomad actually part one of the biggest strengths is like it's bring the the ease of use to on-prem too, it's like make it as easy to use as in the cloud for a lot of organizations. Mm -hmm. Also allow them, you know, for developers, it's almost transparent to them if, if whether they're deploying on-prem or whether they're deploying, you know, migrate that workload to a cloud environment. So operators, it's a small like reconfiguration for operators, almost transparent to developers. That's why we see like some customers even leverage that for like cloud bursting type of things or you know migrate workloads to from on-prem to cloud almost in a real time like a no yeah. downtime way so is, is that because really... there must be some limitations there surely i mean yeah as i say on-prem maybe i'm being ridiculous here but on-prem could be some person's old like java server sat in a corner to a proper kind of server setup you know i don't know but yeah. maybe those sorts of people don't come to tools like nomad but <laughs> i don't know so I think one area um, right now is, for example, auto-scaling, right? So Nomad launched auto-scaler um, last year, 2020. Um, okay. So right now we support the auto-scaler integration with all major cloud with their, um, you know, auto-scaling group like ASG or um, yep. or um, like Google Managed Instance. But we haven't had um, the same kind of out-of-box offering for on-prem. So I think eventually we'll get there, but right now this is something, you know, on, for a cloud deployment, it's probably easier to scale their deployment, yeah. And so let's just say you've just come out of HashiConf Europe. Um, what were the, the new features that you both announced? Raymond, yeah, how about so you? Maybe from a console perspective. So uh, we introduced, uh, it's in public beta right now, but it will be in GA very, very shortly. Uh, it's our latest uh, software release called 1.10. Mm -hmm. And um, it, the, one of the main features is something that we call transparent proxy, um, which allows um, updates to be made to service mesh. Um, you know, whenever you have, you add new services to the mesh, things like, things like that without any added uh, modifications to the application. So that, that's a big deal for uh, in terms of being able to prevent, you know, to, for unnecessary modifications in code uh, and to allow the service mesh to handle, um, you know, all the different interactions of services. All of that is transparently done uh, and, and intercepted with, uh, within the, um, the Envoy proxy. But again, the, the core benefit is uh, to prevent, you know, all this added uh, modifications from being, being in, the, um, in the application. So that's one of the, the big features. The other big feature is streaming. Um, streaming is something we introduced in 1.9 um, as a way to improve what we call uh, blocking queries, uh, which is, I think of blocking queries as sort of a, a queue of requests uh, to console that come in for, for different uh, services that get added to the, to the, uh, to the mesh. Um, and so the big, big benefit there is overall um, resource uh, efficiency, you know, reducing uh, CPU utilization, increasing performance. 
we just released a couple about a month or two ago our scalability benchmark, mm-hmm. uh, and that was um, uh, done. It was ten thousand nodes of console, uh, one hundred seventy-two thousand services, all updating service entries within one second. So it's really it was really a proof point around uh, scalability performance of console when used in a large large environment. So those are the two yeah. big features with one dot ten. It's actually interesting. I remember doing those sorts of experiments years ago. Well, say years ago, it was like 2015 or something. Uh, when you would see how much services could scale and just launch a ridiculous amount of nodes, and and then they could nothing, nothing could really cope. Everything would come crashing to a halt. But I think now it <laughs> <laughs> actually kind of there was usually too much network traffic. I don't know what we use for service discovery. Can't honestly remember. Um, and uh, Nomad, let me. Edge was that? What was your main announcement? <laughs> yeah, so um, Nomad One Dot One was um, just G eight before HashiConf. Okay. So One Dot One really, <laughs> yeah. So One Dot One is really about enhancing our core strengths, the improve the quality of life for operators, but also enable greater flexible scheduling capabilities. Um, for example, I think one of the one or two key features like memory over subscription, drive higher cluster efficiency and also help operators to, you know, to accommodate these spiky workloads where sometimes they want to the long memory start point and then just drop significantly as it's going to the steady state that you really have to accommodate without memory over subscription, you really have to accommodate for the worst case scenario. Then you leave a lot of idle resource, right? Can now be consumed by other applications. So we're now extending this memory subscription, not only to Docker containers, but also, you know, like Java applications, other existing or legacy applications. Another, um, another improvement on, flex, on scheduling capabilities about reserve CPU cores. These are particular important, critical for like latency sensitive applications, which they don't want to, you know, two multiple applications share the same CPU stride. For example, like gaming, online gaming, like Roblox actually one of the, the company really can benefit from these type of um, features. Okay. So you can actually have you pin your application to an isolated, a dedicated CPU core to make sure um, in to make sure their application performance. Okay. And um, so, what's what's next for your two products, projects, products? But also, um, what's next for HashiCorp? What's what's the next piece of the puzzle that the company is looking to fill? If if you can mention it. Let's start with uh, Raymond first, and yeah, what's yeah. coming next? Well, I mean, you know, there's been a huge effort around cloud delivery um, in the form of the managed service offering, and you know, we have that with ACP today with Console and Vault. Um, of course, we have that with Terraform as well, um, Terraform Cloud. But um, at moving with Console, I think what we're what we're anticipating is more and more uh, customers moving to more of a managed service uh, model um, today. That the, the offering is um, specific to a single region environment. Um, and so one of the, the big feature offerings we're gonna come out with in, is shortly in a month or so or two uh, is something that um, would allow for multi-region support. Okay. Um, and so this is you know environments where you need to start to stitch together multiple regions um, to do your service networking. And so that's gonna be a heavily anticipated features, uh, feature for especially for larger customers. Uh, the other thing we, we, we announced as part of a tech preview is support for ECS. Uh, with uh, with um, with uh, Fargate, and that was something that um, we worked with uh, AWS on 
Um, that is um, in, a, in tech preview today, but we will be uh, Ging that in a few months as well. So that's a heavily anticipated um, capability for okay. those ECS customers. Before I switch to Chang, I actually had one other question come up. Um, just uh, there was a problem with sometimes being semi-live is people come in at different times. But I don't think we explicitly mentioned this, so it's probably worth mentioning. Um, so can you use the service mesh aspect of console in collaboration with other service meshes or is it best kind of just using its own yeah, service mesh? Yeah, so, you know, there, there is an initiative out there called the SMI specification yeah. for uh, interoperating multiple <laughs> different meshes. Um, it, it's not something we see widely used today. Um, so to answer the specific question today, you know, it's either or, right? So typically okay. you would use cons- either console as a, uh, as a control plane or Istio. Okay. And if anyone is interested, I have seemingly interviewed all of the major service meshes in the past like, three weeks. So <laughs> you can go back and look on the, the podcast feed or the YouTube channel and find interviews with LinkedIn, Istio, the console, and someone else in there somewhere. So, <laughs> so okay. Um, and Chang, yeah, what's coming next for Nomad? Yeah, um, I think for Nomad, um, the really it's about still dub- doubling down on our unique strengths, simplicity, um, and flexibility to really mature a lot of shiny, like big features we yeah. delivered last year, like CSI, CNI. No one implemented the whole spec, but we follow customers' needs or what they listening to what they want to help making sure we have the best integration with their top of the choice, either a storage solution or networking solutions. And auto scaling, you know, both virtually and sorry, both vertically and horizontally, right? Driving higher efficiency, improve the scalability. Um, and your last question is about what's the last, what's the next piece for yeah. overall HashiCorp? I think that's a perfect question, and also put into the context with Nomad and Console. Nomad and Console is really kind of the infrastructure tool, but also eventually consumed by developers, right? Especially like you know, orchestration allow developers to deploy their applications in a self-serve manner. Service mesh capabilities allows developers to be able to control traffic shaping, observability and measurement, all yep. this um, yep. extended yep. functionalities. It's all about how we optimize developer experience, help help to um, yep. build this application, new application delivery automation. And recently we launched another open source project, new open source project called Waypoint. Okay. So Waypoint, our vision for Waypoint is eventually that's the interface between developers um, and operators. So Waypoint is, think about this, you, today we have like organizations have Nomad deployed and some different team may have Kubernetes deployed and some other team may be a, a different line of business decide to use like serverless functions yeah. and Lambda. Yeah. So eventually you will see there'll be a lot of runtime platform. There'll be a lot of cloud endpoints and still they have legacy, right? So yeah. when, it talks about, when we talk about application delivery, they have each runtime or each cloud endpoint have a different build, um, release, build, um, deploy and release workflow. It's diverged there. Yeah. They yeah. may have a similar code and test experience, but it diverged when you're actually talking about deployment. So Waypoint is really about having a consistent, unified way to describe, build, deploy, and release. 
So regardless whether you're working on the Starts Java application, sound a lot like terra, Terraform as well, I guess. Exactly. You know, yeah, oh, that's yeah. a great analogy. It's like yeah. how we bring the Terraform experience to the deployment application yeah. delivery workflow. Yeah, you just speak one language, but you support all the underlying technology. Cool. I feel like uh, I, I would love to talk to you more, but unfortunately we're going to have to wrap up, especially you mentioned one of my favorite terms at the moment around developer experience. I know HashiCorp has always been big into that um, yeah. and has, I think you have your own principles and things like that from memory. Um, so anyone who's interested and hasn't heard of you before, which is probably not too many people who would listen to or watch, <laughs> but it's HashiCorp.com. You can find the products pages yeah, all are available for open source versions to play with. And if you want to take it from there, then then go ahead. But yeah, Chang and Raymond, thank you very much for joining me. I've always wanted to get some people from HashiCorp on. So it's good to finally have you. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing what you do and what the company does next. So thanks very much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. No worries. Thank you.